0: Hello there, welcome to the Matthias J. Barker podcast. My name is Matthias, and this is a podcast about mental health and moving towards what's meaningful, even despite hardship. My guess is if you're hearing this episode, my daughter has already been born. My wife right now, as I'm recording this, is due in like a week, and uh, I've been recording kind of podcast episodes um, <laughs> in, in preparation for all that. So I can just take a bit of a paternity leave and I don't have to be making a bunch of content. So my guess is she's born. I don't know um you should probably check out like my instagram or tiktok or something maybe i posted a photo but yeah she's uh she's due soon and i'll be a dad and so by the time you're listening to this that will have happened oh that's weird to think about um yes so (laughs) that has nothing to do with the topic today well the topic today is irritation is a teacher so there is no natural segue because i'm certainly at least at this point not irritated with um The prospect of having a child maybe by the time i'm re-listening to this when i post it i'll be nice and sleep deprived and so maybe that'll be relevant but but this episode really isn't just about irritation it's also just about the big five personality model and specifically being able to assess if someone just has a different personality than you a different set of strengths and weaknesses or if they really just do need to get their act together (laughs) and and they're just irritating and and driving you nuts and then maybe some uh, realistic kind of thoughts and parameters for being able to interact with people that are different than you and, and and collaborate with them negotiate with them that's that's kind of the whole topic of this podcast so i hope you enjoy who irritates you like who drives you crazy who are the people in your life that are like micromanaging you and always trying to control everything or uh that are just like, really rigid and critical and rude and judgmental or who are the people that? Uh, are just not really on top of things, and they're disorganized, and uh, they're not really responsible. You can't really depend on them. Maybe they're a bit naive. Who are the people that are dominating all the conversations and kind of full of themselves in your life? Who are the people who uh, are complaining and uh, sad all the time, but not in like a way that really kind of drives your empathy, but in a way that just feels like it kind of they're just dragging you into their problems and their conflicts and. And uh, maybe they're always coming to you, but they're never actually being reciprocal and trying to like help you back. They're not interested in your life. They're just, you know, maybe kind of in their own world. Who are the people that bug you? Who are the people that irritate you? You know, our irritation has a lot to teach us about our own values, um, our own personality, and has a lot to teach us, you know, there's this Carl Jung quote that's been going around that I shared a couple days ago that um, that goes something along the lines of, Uh, everything that irritates us has the ability to teach us something and I think that's true and uh, You know it has a lot to teach us in multiple respects So I kind of want to break down two different things that irritation can teach us and maybe the first one is where we need to be more compassionate But the second one is maybe where we need to put up more boundaries And both are important so I want to kind of first maybe break down Maybe an understanding of uh, personality, because the truth is, depending on your just particular temperament and your personality, you're going to find different kinds of temperaments and personalities more or less frustrating. And the particularities, the uh, maybe the gut intuitions of different kinds of people, as particularly frustrating. And so it's good to know. It's good to know what the personality temperaments are, because then it can actually give you like maybe um a basis for knowing if something you know if that person's just wrong or that person's just kind of you know. Rigid or irresponsible or if that person just has maybe a different set of strengths and weaknesses than you do And it's good to know that because if if you can really come to an understanding that hey, you know what? You're different than me, but you have strengths as well as weaknesses You have these assets as well as these detractors then then you know who to surround yourself with because You're not an all-encompassing, you know, uh, deity. You have strengths and weaknesses too. So you need people around you that are strong in spaces that you're weak. And and so it's it's an incredible uh, gift to know personality temperament. So I want to break that down. We're going to break it down um, using the Big Five personality model. I'll give you just a really quick run-through of it. So, um, maybe the first, the first personality line we'll think about is openness. So openness is openness to new experiences. These are people who, uh, love to travel and try new things and they're really into novel, kind of spontaneous, exciting adventures They're They're very driven by what they're inspired by. So they're very creative. They like art museums and poetry and, um, they, they're the kind of person who goes to a restaurant and orders the weekly special you know, or tries a different restaurant every time they go out or uh, they're the kind of person who uh, buys a car based off of how it feels and how it smells and if it has all the cool toys and, you know, has like, you know, automatic start and really good speakers. They're people who love music, you know. So these are kind of, you know, people who are open to new experiences and, uh, that's that's one spectrum, and then maybe another spectrum altogether would be a conscientiousness scale. And these people are really on the other side of things. These are people who. Are more organized and tidy and they like consistency these are the people who go to a restaurant and order the same thing because if they're going to spend the $14 they're they're going to make sure it's something they like and and they're the people who uh, buy a car because um, of its gas mileage and it's the right year and they have a year and a model picked out and that's the year model they're going to buy and they have the money that they've been saving up that they're going to put towards the down payment or pay for it in cash and they're not going over that. The salesman can't really push them one way or the other. And if they do, then they're gonna, you know, they're gonna go somewhere else. Because they have a pretty firm idea. They have a standard inside themselves that says, like, this is what I do. Uh, these are also people, though, who are very, very industrious. So people who you really want to have on your team because they work really hard. Again, they have that kind of inner standard of, uh, of the kind of work that they do. And they're very, very driven. So you can also, or maybe you you can already see the difference between openness and conscientiousness and how those two people could be irritated with each other. Right? It's like uh, the conscientious people could look at open people and see like, gosh, all this spontaneity and all this being inspired by this and then getting bored by that, that feels really inconsistent. And that feels kind of irresponsible and naive and uh, that feels really, um, you know, chaotic. And so that could be a lot of, there's a lot of negative emotion that comes up when dealing with open people. On the the other end, open people look at conscientious people and are like, you are rigid and a buzzkill and like, why aren't you getting enthusiastic and inspired by this? Are you dead inside? You know, like there's this, uh, maybe it just, it just kills them inside to like, lean into the routine and the consistency without any sort of spark or spice you know, kind of mixed into everything. Now, the reality is that everyone's kind of a mix of both of these. So there's not just the open people and the conscientious people, but, you know, it it kind of varies depending on how highly or low you are in those different spectrums. Um, You know, moving along, extroversion and introversion is another measure. We're we're all pretty familiar with that. So people who are like really, really social are going to have kind of particularities that introverts kind of find irritating and vice versa. Um, Agreeableness is another spectrum. So this would be people who are, uh, very conflict-avoidant people who are um, very just maybe aware of the social milieu and and how their actions are being interpreted and how Your actions affect other people. So very high in empathy, very high in being polite, very. Um, concerned with how things affect others. not vice versa. Like, if you're disagreeable, you're someone who's very assertive, someone who's very honest, who's gonna just tell it as it is. Somebody... So these are like the lawyers. These are, you know, people who are maybe high like managers and people who hire and fire and just make the tough calls. Like, it's really good to be, uh, have a little bit of disagreeableness. There's strengths and weaknesses in both. And you can already see maybe how both sides kind of find the other people irritating. So the disagreeable people look at the open people and just like, gosh, just tell me what you think. Stop asking me where I want to eat. Where do you want to eat? You know, (laughs) or, you know, like, uh, they just like, put your foot down, like, tell me what you need. And maybe people who are high, high in agreeableness don't really know what they need because they're so concerned with the needs of others. And so on the other end, the agreeable people look at disagreeable people and they're like, you're mean, (laughs) or you're rude, or you're just like, uh, You're not aware of how your actions are affecting other people or how what you said came across because it's really off-putting and so there's these conflicting temperaments that cause irritation Uh, and then the last spectrum would be neuroticism. And neuroticism would be um, your sensitivity to pain. So specifically if you like withdrawal from meeting conflict or if things don't really go your way, if something jumps outside your expectations or you you encounter catastrophe, like your withdrawal and then your volatility, how angry or frustrated or irritable you get. So these are people who are more likely to feel emotions like sadness and despair and doubt and frustration and irritation. and. And, you know, there's apathy, you're more likely to kind of feel those emotions. And people who are low in neuroticism are pretty just chill and easygoing, and they don't get very flustered and even if stuff, you know, doesn't go their way, they kind of roll with the punches. And so, you know, there's there's a piece where I think that, that spectrum is often moralized and to be like, well, if you're angry and kind of more, fra- you, you know, that means you're fragile and that means you're, you know, kind of highly anxious and you need to be fixed or you're, you're bad, when in reality, like, especially when neuroticism is paired with agreeableness, it makes someone very, very attentive to the pain of others. It makes someone very sensitive to how um, things affect other people. So there's a lot of strengths in that, too. So already you can kind of see, depending on your temperament and your kind of mixture of the different personality spectrums, you're going to find particular personalities to be really irritating. And it's good to know. It's good to know um, which what are those personalities are so that when you encounter them, you can see them not just for the things that irritate you, but for their strengths. And it's likely that those people are really good at places that you need to grow. Maybe you need to be more organized. Maybe you need to let loose and have fun every once in a while. And you need people around you. So for example, like um, openness is is, uh, is really highly associated with like entrepreneurship. So when you look at entrepreneurs, Uh, The people who have the big ideas, the people who are trying to disrupt the industry, those are people who are high in openness, but they're not very good at running businesses. They're not very good at the details and and kind of making sure that the infrastructure gets laid down in a way that's very consistent. And so they need conscientious people to come in and manage their businesses. So they have the big ideas and they they kind of, you know, build the morale and then uh, they have conscientious people who are kind of on the second or third tiers down, making sure that everything falls into place and everyone gets paid at the end of the day. So that's good. That's good. Um, you know, and even if you think about it like in a romantic setting, like couples, it, it's actually good to have someone who's more conscientious or more open or someone who, you know, kind of has, there's a complementary kind of pairing because like when you're buying a car, you, you need something that's, you know, that, that has good gas mileage and it's, you know, has a good value. But maybe it'd be nice to listen to some music and have a good stereo system in there too. And so there's a balance there. That isn't just around security and safety, and isn't just around novelty and fun, but there's a mixture that that creates a pretty well balanced experience. So um, now let's talk about boundaries, though, because here's the reality: is like when you're talking to someone who, um, maybe let's start with this. Let's say that there's somebody who is kind of that friend that things aren't really reciprocal like you're kind of just like uh they're they're really needy and they they go through a lot of hard times or they're really like depressed and and you're trying to help and you're trying to like be there for them and you're listening but they never really call you when you need something and and they uh they, they complain a lot maybe they gossip a lot they're really just negative and and you feel that you feel like kind of dragged into that compulsively but you also feel that it's not healthy now, the wrong thing to do in this instance would be like, well, they're of a different personality, maybe they're higher in neuroticism, maybe they're, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Um, I just need to be more understanding, because maybe you are maybe you need to set up a boundary because you're getting exploited. You know, the people who run into this problem most are people who are higher in agreeableness. But that doesn't mean that there just needs to be more understanding. There actually needs to be a boundary here because it's uh, it's not right that someone's taking advantage of you and just using you for your empathy um, but not, uh, maybe making any ground or being reciprocal in that friendship. And, and you can tell this even in your own heart because my guess is if you're in a relationship like that, you're not motivated to listen to them out of this like warm caring and this like, this, uh, this affection for them. It's almost like a fear. It's almost like this anxiousness, right? It feels like ah, if I don't, if I don't answer their text, then, then what will happen? You know, cause they have nobody. You know, they have no one They have no one but me, and so I need to be there for them. Or, uh, like, what would that mean about me as a person? Like, I'm an empathetic, kind person, and I can't just leave them alone. I can't just leave them out to dry. Like, I have to be there for them, because, and, and you feel this innate sense of responsibility, you know, over it, and a, and a fear of what that would mean about you if you advocated that responsibility. But the reality is that your time is a gift. You don't owe anybody anything. But the problem is when you give a gift over and over and over, it starts to feel like an expectation, and people start to depend on it, and that's when people can get really frustrated when you withdraw. But that doesn't mean that you owe them responding to every single one of their texts or spending these long hours on the phone, you know, as they complain. You you might actually realize that's not something that's adding to your life, and and it might even be enabling them because let's say that you're the, you're their only person in their world. And, and, uh, and, and they just like kind of gush all of their negative life experiences out to you, it's like they need to learn how to create a more diverse group of friends. Maybe they need to um, take some responsibility for some stuff that's going on in their own life. Maybe they need mental health services. Maybe they need to talk to a counselor. But as long as they have you, they don't need to. As long as they have someone who will come on their beck and call, they, they don't need to look for other resources. So you actually putting in boundaries might be the thing that helps them the most, pushes them into actually seeking some help. And that's that difference we talked a couple weeks ago between empathy and compassion is like compassion has this wise vision for understanding How your actions are behaving within a context and and so boundaries in this case are actually the most loving thing to do and could promote You know what's best for? Them. Um, you know, so think about think about that. I, I could give more examples, but for the sake of time I'll just say this like that that boundaries when you, when you start to feel this invasion or this intrusion upon what you feel and this intrusion upon, um, you know, different person, how different personalities are inter- interacting with you. You can ask, should I be more compassionate, or um, maybe is this a good opportunity to put in some boundaries? So those are my thoughts for this week. I'll talk to you next week. Uh, I'll be in the comments too, so let's chat about it.